Okay, so we will be reading uh, 1 John 4, uh, 1 to 12. Um, so if you've got one of the Bibles on the chairs, that's on page 1056. 1 John 4, uh, starting at verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Well, good morning. My name's Andy. Uh, if I haven't met you before, I would love to meet you afterwards. Um, and can I just add my encouragement to Shola, if you're interested in joining the pack-up team? Uh, I coordinate the setup and pack-up teams and uh, really appreciate people like Matt. And you could be a really skilled person uh, who has a lot of gifts. Uh, maybe you play the electric guitar and you're a great public speaker. Uh, Matt happens to be one of our trustees and community group leaders, uh, but he also gives his time uh, to help with the pack-up team. So uh, the pack-up team is for everyone who wants to help. Um, Love to hear from you. Uh, How about we pray, and then we'll get into God's Word. Father God, this morning we think about something weighty which is working out whether you are at work in something through someone in a place, whether something is from you. We pray this morning that this word would be from you, that by your Holy Spirit you would speak to us, that you would use me as your mouthpiece to open your word of God and that you would soften our hearts to receive this word, that you would be at work, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So that's the question. How do you know something is from God? Let's just say, hypothetically speaking, uh, that I got up right now uh, before you all, and I said, brothers and sisters, I have a word from the Lord. From now on, to enter this room for church, you need to wear a red City on a Hill t-shirt. 
Now, we'll have spare shirts at the doors for newcomers, or if you forgot them, uh, they're $39.99. We accept all major credit cards. Um, but you're not coming in unless you're wearing a red T-shirt. It's a word from God. Now, on what grounds would you or could you disagree with me? Has Andy lost his mind? Or has he actually received a word from God here? And so it's red t-shirts from now on. How would you test it? And it's, it's not a laughing matter, is it? In all seriousness, there are many different views out there about God. And many people claiming that they have a word from God. And, and not just different religions, is it? It's churches who claim to be Christian, who claim that they have a word from God. How do you work out whether that word actually is from God or not? Well, that's the question that John is answering for us today. Uh, he words it a little strangely. Let's have a look. It'll be really helpful to have a Bible in front of you. Uh, there's actually a couple down the front that are unclaimed. So if you're keen for a paper Bible, just stuck down the front. Um, we are looking at getting some more Bibles, but unfortunately the van is chockers. Um, we might be able to shove them in the, the little patches of space, get the Tetris people onto it. Um, but we're, we're working on that. But uh, get a Bible in front of you, 1 John 4. Uh, let's read from verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the, spirit, test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, the first question we need to ask is, what does John mean by spirits here? I don't know about you, but I haven't seen any ghosts or apparitions, um, kind of spirits hanging around that I've needed to test. I don't know if that's been your experience as well. Uh, what does John mean when he uses the word spirits? Well, I think we get a clue there in the second part of the verse. Did you see that? Uh, did you see why we need to test the spirits? Second half of verse 1, it says, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Do you see the reason we're to test the spirits to see whether they're from God? Well, it's because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So what we are testing when we test the spirits is we're testing for false prophets. We're not so much looking for supernatural apparitions of spiritual beings to test to see whether they're from God. No, John is telling us to test the spirits of, they, of those who claim to be prophets. In other words, we're to test the messengers we're hearing about God. See, when someone claims to speak the very words of God, they're claiming to be a prophet. Uh, they are speaking the words to God, of God. And we're to discern, we're to be discerning to make sure that they are actually saying what they're doing. They're speaking from God. In fact, that's exactly what I'm doing right now, isn't it? You may not think of me as a prophet, uh, but effectively, I am acting as a prophet right now. I am speaking a message to God's people. 
And it's not a message about fishing or sourdough. I'm happy to chat about that over a coffee later. Uh, But I am claiming to speak God's truth to you. And so how do you know? How do you know whether my message, my words, my preaching, how do you know whether my spirit is from God? How do you know if someone is speaking by the Holy Spirit or there's some kind of imposter, a false prophet, perhaps speaking from a spirit of uh, self-interest or maybe something more supernatural, an evil spirit from Satan trying to deceive God's people? We hear about it in the scriptures, right? There's a spiritual battle going on. So how do you know if someone is speaking from God? Well, that's what John is unpacking here in these verses. And he gives us three ways of determining whether someone or something or someone's message is from God. And the first way that John shows us is that we know a person or a message is from God if they acknowledge Jesus. Have a look from verse 2. Verse 2, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. That is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Do you see the test? It's pretty straightforward, isn't it? The number one factor for determining whether something is from God is this. What do they say about Jesus? Very simple, but very profound. As a teenager, I went along to my church's youth group, uh, and I remember we got a new youth pastor. He was tall, probably not quite as tall as Matt Pierce, but he was pretty tall. He's American. Uh, He's one of those guys that he's kind of nerdy, but kind of cool at the same time. Um, in fact, he was literally a world champion at hacky sack. I don't know if anyone was into hacky sack. Um, he, he used to wear these special Converse shoes that made him do hacky well. Anyway, I remember one time uh, during a worship session, he had all us close our eyes and just asked us to pray. And he was walking around the room praying for people, laying hands on people and praying for them. And he came to me and he laid his hands on me and he started speaking, praying in tongues. And now this wasn't a normal thing for my experience. I didn't grow up in a Pentecostal church. This was a a mainstream Presbyterian church. But man, when this pastor came and did that, I felt this warmth inside of me, this feeling like I was having an encounter with God. I remember a few weeks later, I introduced this man to my mom saying, Mom, this is the guy that introduced me to God. But was he? Was that experience, that warm feeling inside, was that from God? Well, it could have been. But as I think about it, it could just have easily been the rush of adrenaline that you get from being in the middle of the crowd and suddenly you're the center of attention. Or the endorphins when someone you admire makes physical contact with you, puts their hand on you. How do we know? How do we test if a spiritual experience is actually from God? Well, the first test is, does it point us to Jesus? 
Does it acknowledge that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? Let's break that down because it's really important, right? This is the test. Jesus Christ. You know, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Did you know that? It's a title. Jesus is the Christ. It means Messiah, anointed one, the promised king, the savior who has come to save us. The Savior who came to die for us. The Lord who reigns in heaven and is coming back to judge. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the King, has come. Do you see that? Which means he came from somewhere, right? He didn't appear out of thin air. He was sent by the Father from heaven. The Messiah has come. Fulfilling all the prophecies of the Old Testament, centuries before he came. And he has come in the flesh. See, Jesus, our Savior, he's taken on humanity. He's entered into our suffering world and our suffering humanity. And he's taken our sins on himself, becoming the perfect mediator between us and God. There are lots of ways to get a warm feeling, a deep sense of peace. It might be at a youth worship night. It might be at a Buddhist meditation retreat. It might be getting a hug from a friend. And warmth and peace, they are good things. But are they a spiritual experience, an encounter with God. Months after that experience at youth group, I thought little of it. It wasn't long before girls and parties and the pursuit of self-determination and life on my terms, it pushed out any picture that God mattered, that he was there. I was running in the opposite direction. See, that experience, it was only skin deep. What I needed was a new heart. See, we might experience something that feels like an encounter with God, but unless it draws us to the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's only skin deep. Now, maybe you're here this morning, and you're hunting for an encounter with God. Or maybe you've had some kind of spiritual experience before and you want to experience God like that again. You want to see a miracle. You want to experience the supernatural. You want to speak in tongues or someone to prophesy over your life. Or you just want to get that sense of God's presence again or for the first time. If that's you, then... This might be a little hard for you to hear this morning. But Jesus didn't have much time for miracle hunters. See, sure, he did miracles to prove that he was the Son of God. But Jesus didn't come to perform magic tricks. He didn't come to give us warm feelings. He came to die for those who would trust in his name. He said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. 
So you know a spirit is from God when it points people to Jesus. Not Jesus the miracle worker, but Jesus the Savior. The Messiah who has come in the flesh. Jesus, though who in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but he made himself nothing. He left his heavenly throne. He came to earth. He took on flesh. And he was rejected, despised, and ultimately crucified to give his life as a ransom for many. How do you know something is from God? It acknowledges Jesus. It points to Jesus. So if you want to know whether a spirit is from God, it won't draw attention to itself, but to God the Son. That's the first test. Does it acknowledge Jesus? And the second test of whether someone is from God or someone's message is from God is whether it listens to the apostles rather than the world. Uh, Have a read with me from verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth And the spirit of falsehood. Now notice how you recognize a true spirit from a false one. John says in verse 5, They are from the world. They speak from the world. We are from God. And whoever listens to God and knows God listens to us. Now that's a massive claim, isn't it? Do you know what John is claiming here? He is claiming that he is from God. And they, whoever they are, people of the world, are not. We are true, they are false. Now what gives John the right to make that claim? What gives him the monopoly on the truth? Well, he shared his credentials right back at the start of the letter. You might want to flick back a page or two to have a look. 1 John 1. Right at the start, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it, and we testify it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Do you see what it is that gives John and his friends the right to say, we have the truth and they don't? Listen to us, not them. It's that he and his friends were witnesses of the word of life. The word become flesh. Jesus has come in the flesh and they were the witnesses of it. They saw him. They heard him. Their hands touched him. Now they have fellowship with him and with the Father, with God. 
You see, the second test isn't actually that different from the first. What John is saying is, listen to us because we speak by the Spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. We speak as witnesses of Jesus on his authority. Do you realize this is actually how we get our New Testament? This is how we know our Bible is from God. Uh, Jesus came and he proved that he was the son of God by his miracles and ultimately rising from the dead. And he ascended into heaven. And while he was still on earth, Jesus appointed certain men to be his witnesses. Those who were with him from the beginning of his ministry. And before he ascended into heaven, he sent out his witnesses, his apostles. That means sent one, one who is sent. He sent them out. And as the decades went on, the apostles were sending out the good news of Jesus. But they started to die. Many of them were martyred. Some were dying of old age. And the ones who were left, including John, they started to realize, we need to write this down. We need to preserve what we have seen and heard and touched so that when we're gone, the generations that will follow can keep hearing the good news and be saved. The good news of Jesus who came from God and by believing in him have life in his name. Now there are many writings preserved from the early church, but the ones that made the cut, the ones that are included in our Bibles, well, these are the ones that the early church concluded were written either by the apostles themselves or by those in direct contact with the apostles, the ones that God had sent. Some Greek on the screen for anyone interested in the breakdown of apostles. Now, how do you know something is from God? Test one, do they acknowledge Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? Test two, whether it's a teaching, a message, a teacher, you need to test it against the teaching of the apostles, the authorized authority on the truth. You need to test it against the Bible. Which means we need to know our Bibles, right? So that we're not led astray by false spirits, false prophets, the Antichrist. See, they will tell you what your itching ears want to hear. They, will, they come from the world and they speak from the world's perspective. And so often it's very appealing. It's very relevant. It might be very compelling. But is it from God? You're only going to know if you line it up with the scriptures. Don't be deceived. Listen with your Bibles open and your ears open. But also listen with your hearts open. Because if it is the truth from God then we need to hear it, right? But as a preacher, I don't want you to take my word for it. 
or Andrew or Paul or anyone else up here, I don't want you to take their word for it. I want you to look carefully at the passage and ask yourself, is this what God is saying? Study it. Think it through. Talk with people about it. And if you disagree on something, let's talk about it. I'm not going to force you to believe what I believe. I'm going to look at the Bible with you and try and show you how I got to where I got to. But I want you to convince me that I'm wrong. If I am, I don't want to be a false prophet, right? I want to listen to the word of God. Let's let the word of God be the authority in our church and in our conversations. But there's one final test of whether someone is from God, and it's all about love. Read with me from verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another... God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. See, having instructed us on testing the spirits in terms of the content of their message, John now turns to the defining characteristic of God's people to know that someone is one of God's people. And how do you know who God's people are? Look at it again. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. We're to be a people who love one another as God has loved us. In fact, God is love. Now, what do you make of that phrase, God is love? I think when we hear that phrase, it can kind of sound like God holds himself accountable to some kind of external standard, the standard of love. Like if you can think of something unloving, God would never do that. Which can make us a bit uneasy when we think about all the suffering in the world. Right? How can God be love and suffering exist? Or when we think about God's judgment, how can a loving God send people to hell? But you see, there's no external standard of love outside of God. God is love doesn't mean God holds himself to some external standard. No, God is love means God is the standard of love. That's what John is saying here, isn't it? God shows us 
what love is. Verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, our world, our world says love is love. Whatever that means. (laughs) As soon as you put love on something, you can't trump that. Nothing is greater than love. All you need is love. But that kind of love is really whatever makes you feel good, right? It's self-centered, it's self-determined, and it's completely baseless. What is it that makes me happy? How is that love? How is that not just pure selfishness? But God says, I am Love. If you want to know what love is, look at my son on the cross. My precious son, whom I sent to die for his enemies and for you. To sacrifice himself so that you can go free. That is is love. And so if you want to know who God's people are, well, you should know them by their love for one another. Brothers and sisters, look around you. You owe one another a great debt. Not because these people have done anything for you, but because Christ purchased them at the cost of his own perfect blood. And he purchased you with that same blood. And since you have been loved like that, love one another like that. Lay down your rights, your preferences, your time, your money, your priorities. Lay down your own life for those whom Jesus laid down his. There's something about love for our church family that is even more profound than our love for our biological families. We are the recipients of the greatest love of all, the love of Christ for his church. Now as I close, I'll invite the band to come up. We're going to sing in a moment. But as the band comes up, can I show you one more thing that's even more profound? Did you know that we, the church, that you and I, we can show people God? One of my favorite verses in the Bible is in the Gospel of John, John 1.18. It says, No one has ever seen God But God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in perfect relationship with the Father, he has made him known. See, if you want to know who God is, look at Jesus, the Son of God who became flesh and dwelt among us. But you know, there's another way you can see God. It's in 1 John 4 verse 12, the last verse that we read. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, 
If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Let the world look at what we have here and be drawn to the depth of relationship, the genuine care, the self-giving love for one another that can only come from people who know the love of God to us in Christ Jesus, the God who is love. Now be encouraged. I see this happening all the time. Churches are never perfect places. But I see you giving your life to the service of others. And that's a beautiful work of God, isn't it? Of God's love displayed for the world to see. So let's pray that we would love one another like that. Let's pray. Father God, give us discernment to know what is from you. To know what it is that acknowledges Christ come in the flesh. To test what is said against what the apostles taught as your appointed witnesses. But more than this, Lord, give us hearts of love that are so shaped by the love that you have poured out on us in Jesus, that we would give anything for our brothers and sisters, that we would give up our own self-interest, what makes us feel good, and we would love not like the world loves, but like you love, for you are love. Help us to do this, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing of the Father's love now uh, with a beautiful song that reminds us of what he's done for us in Jesus, how deep the Father's love. So let's sing together.